Owen, can you explain to the listeners how radio transmission works? Well, uh, Anne-Marie, the answer to that is no. <laughs> <laughs> it's a technical subject, damn it. Yeah. And, um, but the, but, there, but the, the overall, there are elements which can be uh, expressed, I think, in, in non-technical terms, which I hope will make some sense. Um, you asked here at some stage, other, what's the difference between, uh, you know, AM, FM, and uh, shortwave radio? Well, I, sh- I should go back to basics and we'll and describe uh, AM versus FM to start with. So when you talk into a microphone, the uh, the diaphragm in the microphone moves in and out with the pressure waves coming from your voice. Well. Those movements of the microphone, uh, diaphragm in the microphone, uh, those are transferred basically to change the strength of the of the radio signal. And so the amplitude of the signal is changed by the audio which you're pushing into the microphone. Okay. So, in fact, the shape of the audio, the shape of the of the radio wave form, it's, as it goes up and down in strength, really tracks the mechanical movement of that microphone element. I see. Now, with frequency modulation, we don't change the strength of the signal. We actually shift the frequency up and down a little bit. So that's a superior means of um, of, of sending a, a voice or music. But it occupies a larger part of the radio spectrum which can be a disadvantage, can be a disadvantage uh, but it, it's the standard method in up to, up, to, uh, up to what we would call ultra-high frequencies. Now, here I should get to describe these different terms. Um, at medium wave, that's a re- the normal broadcast band using AM, amplitude modulation, the... The frequency is round about one megahertz, one million cycles per second. And an efficient antenna for that would need to be at least 100 metres vertical. So, and then if you go to short wave, that's between 3 to 30 megahertz, you end up with something, with antennas getting smaller. If you go right up to very high frequency, where we have... FM, around 100 megahertz, the size of an efficient antenna is reduced by a factor of 100. So if you move up to the frequencies where our telephones work, maybe 2,000 megahertz, then the size of an efficient antenna is in fact reduced by a factor of 2,000. So the advantages in going to these very high frequencies is that you can construct small, efficient antennas, which is fairly important for a telephone that's in your, in your pocket. So uh, that's the um, that's the that's an overview. Yeah. The there's the strange um, anomaly that occurs between on the short wave between thirty and, between three and thirty megahertz is that those radio waves actually bounce off the upper atmosphere. Um, the extent to which they, ref- they bounce off, it gets less as the frequency goes up. 
but it's it's a means of getting worldwide communication uh, from one spot on the planet with relatively low power. I so, see. and it it's um. But the problem is, it's subjected to the vagaries of solar radiation, and of course, at night the the sun does tend to switch off. Yep. So the upper atmosphere changes in the absence of the sun during the evenings. And fortunately, a large part of the upper atmosphere stays ionised, as we say. That is, the electrons have been ripped off the atoms of oxygen and nitrogen in in daylight. But when the sun goes down, they are still separated and they are very slow to recombine. So those upper layers become still retain, uh, they're still able to reflect radio waves even at night when there is no solar radiation. I see. But uh, there's a probability, of course, of an electron bumping into uh, uh, an atom of oxygen or nitrogen. And, of course, it'll be ionised. Those atoms will be positively charged and the negative electrons will, will naturally recombine. So the strength of those reflecting layers gets gradually less through the night. Yeah. And then the sun comes up again, and the whole process repeats itself. Right. Very interesting. So, um, yeah, but generally um, we don't... Rarely do we get any reflections from the um, upper atmosphere at frequencies above 30 megahertz. But it does happen. And the ham radio fraternity delights in exploiting these rare events. So they like to send... They, they, um, uh, they, they get great satisfaction from occasional bursts of um, reflective layers. So they'll, they'll, they'll communicate with across the equator, for example, into Japan from Australia. They'll do that on quite high frequencies, up around 50 megahertz, which is just below where Channel 2 used to be in the old analogue... TV days. So, um, but meanwhile, if you want pre- predictable shortwave propagation, it's it's generally um, below 20, 20 megahertz. Okay. Now, radio has a political side, of course, because it can communicate across a range. Uh, uh, can communicate a range of ideas across borders. For example. Radio Australia, which was originally called Australia Calling, was designed during as a service as a radio service during World War Two. It did have a propaganda side to it, and was broadcasting Australian content into Asia in many Asian languages by the nineteen sixties. It was also very popular in China as the only alternative available to the Communist Party's official radio station during the Mao era. So what do you think about that as the, the political side of radio and, and do you have any sort of ideas or knowledge about Radio Australia? Well, I think um, shortwave radio has got the advantage that uh, although it, it can be, uh, I guess it can be jammed with sufficiently large uh, transmitters, um, it gets through where uh, other modes don't. So it's all very nice to have Radio Australia, as it is at the moment, sent by internet 
up to FM transmitters in various parts of the other countries. Yeah. But those local governments can turn off those local transmitters whenever they like. So people listening on shortwave can still pick up the signal from Australia in spite of what might be happening locally. And the news coming from Australia may not might contain information which the local governments do not want to have propagated in their particular area. Yeah. So we've dropped nearly all of that. I don't think Australia... I don't think we have... It happened about 2016 or 18. All the Australian government, all the Radio Australia trans, shortwave transmitters have been closed down. We still have one shortwave signal going into the Pacific and it's transmitted by the New Zealanders. They have the big radio transmitters in the North Island somewhere and they broadcast north into the Pacific Islands because they realise that a lot of people there don't have internet access. Yeah. They've got small shortwave radios, which are cheap, you know, 50 bucks uh, or something, will get you a reasonable shortwave receiver. And um, that's where Aust Radio Australia is now. So we no longer have the capacity to transmit an independent signal into these other countries. Uh, and that's, it's certainly much cheaper to do it this way. Yeah. Uh, the cost of the big radio transmitters, like the ones up in Darwin, I mean, they were uh, more than 100 kilowatts. And that take, cost, a, cost a lot of money to maintain the antennas, to maintain the equipment. Um, and certainly internet has offered a much cheaper uh, method of disseminating our programs. But they've been cut back in many ways. They used to transmit in many local languages. And um, they used to transmit news broadcasts to people who might not have had access to what we would consider to be reasonably balanced news. Yeah. So that's all seems to be gone. I think we only transmit now, I think, in uh, Indonesian and um, uh, Mandarin Chinese. And it used to be, I think, a, a, a broad spectrum of languages oh, were, and the, we had language. Radio Australia had you know multi multicultural staff that yes. would that would broadcast in in languages throughout Asia you know Japanese Chinese Correct. whatever yeah. yeah plus also European languages French etc and there were actually uh, yeah multi multicultural broadcasters mm. that were employed by Radio Australia precisely there's an interesting um, political side to this when, the, when Radio Australia was closed down, the actual radio transmitters, the hardware in uh, Darwin, was leased to uh, um, a, a Christian group who wanted to transmit uh, the good news into, <laughs> into, um, into, 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 into Asia, into Indonesia in particular. So they were government-owned transmitters transmitting what the Indonesians would have considered to be Christian propaganda into, into, uh, into Asia. At the same time, uh, we had a, um, a, um, an Anglican bishop or archbishop, Hollingsworth, who was our Governor-General. And our Governor-General also happens to be the Commander-in-Chief of the Armed Forces. <laughs> so I'm not too sure how, you, how it 
an archbishop could uh, adopt that role without some qualms. But there we were, uh, trying not very hard to maintain good relationships with, uh, with Indonesia in particular. And we had a, the command, the, the, um, the Governor-General was, was a, a, an archbishop in one of the Christian churches, and the government radio transmitters in Darwin were transmitting Christian propaganda into into the, a mostly uh, a mostly um, Islamic target area. Yeah. So anyhow, that's I think a bit that's... baffling if they missed the announcement that it had been leased and to the Christian churches. Yeah. yeah well, but anyhow, that was all solved by the simple expedient of dismantling the antennas in Darwin and the radio gear. So yeah. that's all gone. That's all gone. All gone. Yeah. Owen, oh, uh, what about the so-called ham radio side of your interest in radio, um, which is you've been involved in as a hobby, I know. Are you still dabbling in, in that? Yes, Anne-Marie, I still, uh, I still dabble in it. My, my main interest is really the technical side of, the, uh, of radio propagation on one hand and, and the actual equipment on the other. So I don't spend much time yakking uh, on, on, the, on the radio. I've... I maintain contact with a um, quite a few, uh, mostly blokes who are um, who are equally interested, and uh, I'm 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 not I'm rarely on the air, in fact, but of course it complemented my professional interests, so I'm still I still uh, play with it, but I've gone the I've gone uh, backwards. Someone some people would suggest, in that I'm no longer interested in these highly technical modes of propagation and equipment. Um, I've gone back to um, trying to get my Morse code speed up. Oh, OK. And that's always a challenge because I'm, I'm down at... Um, uh, so, and the great thing about Morse code is that you can also use relatively low power and uh, the signal will get through uh, where other AM, FM would not get through and you can make and you can it's, it's fairly simple radio equipment uh, which you can do you can make yourself so um it's it, it's got uh, so i'm reverting to uh, infantile modes, going, modes going, of communication becoming more simple but i'm trying desperately to get my morse code my my listening speed up above 18 words a minute i have friends some of them are ex um ex-maritime um, radio operators, and, um, and they can merrily transmit at 25, and receive, more importantly, at 25 words a minute. Some of them wow. get up to 30, 35. I've struggled around about 16 to 18. So maybe the problem is <laughs> that I'm starting to lose my marbles at age 81. So it's a, it's a continuing challenge. <laughs> but it, it's, it's very satisfying when you manage to make contact with someone who's equally demented at using low power and he's on, he or she is on top of a mountaintop using low power and Morse code and, uh, and you actually manage to communicate. My theory is that all the important messages are short and, uh, and the military are good examples of that. They keep everything terse and... The wider the bandwidth, the wider the capacity to carry information, the greater the likelihood of junk. Yeah. So the bigger the bandwidth, the more 
I've got to be careful of the wording I use here, the more um, useless stuff is transmitted. The important stuff is, you know, here's my location, all is well, you know, send more champagne or, what, or whatever. Yeah. You know? But they're all short. And, um, and there's a group, wonderful group of enthusiasts who practice summits on the air, S-O-T-A. Okay. And, and these are a bunch of people who combine walking, bushwalking, with carrying their radio gear to the top of God-forsaken tops, summits. And they have two-way communication with, with, with other enthusiasts from these God-forsaken places, you see. Now, summits on, it's a worldwide special interest group and it's a lot of fun. What's it called again? SOTA. Summits, summits on the air. Summits on the air. Yeah. So, um, there are, so if you see some, if you're, if you're out walking and you're on top of some uh, very distinct hill um, and you see some strange people slinging bits of wire over trees, yep. you'll know what they're probably what, up to. What they're doing. Yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah, it's great fun.